Welcome to the Three Strange Church Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to our latest series, Proof of Life. After Jesus' resurrection, he spent 40 days appearing to his followers, talking about the kingdom of God and proving that he was really alive. In this series, we'll follow Jesus around for those 40 days and discover what he said, what he did, and what it all means for us today. We hope you enjoy listening. So, uh, Pastor Dave has gotten very sick. He said it's the sickest he's ever been in his life. And so he sent me a text yesterday. He said, listen, I'm not feeling too good. I just want you to kind of have something in your back pocket just in case I can't be there tomorrow, right? But the chances are 85% that I'll be there. So I was like, all right, good deal. And so the day goes on, and I, and I went over there for a little bit, and te- they're letting us use their basement to store stuff. So I was unloading the truck, and I said, hey, dude, what's, what's the chance? He was up, and he's not in heaven. He was up in the top deck. So I was like, hey, dude, what's the chances now? And uh, he's like, probably about 90%. I'm not feeling good, but I think about 90%. So yesterday evening rolls around. It's like 5 or 6 o'clock, and Heather and I were going to go to Somerset. But I texted him. I said, hey, up or down, let's hear it. Because if, it's, if you're not doing good, I'm going to stay home and prepare something tonight for tomorrow. But if you're doing okay, we're going to go on to Somerset and out to eat and Lowe's and all that stuff. And he goes, not feeling too good still, but about a 95% chance that I'll be there. Okay, he, he texts me, go on to Somerset, because I told him the higher the chances that you're going to be here, the less I'm going to prepare. Okay, the lower your chances, the more go on to Somerset, he says. Okay, so um, I like to sleep in. I'm not really an early, early bird, but uh, this morning, evidently at 6 one, I was asleep. And he sends a text that I got at 8.08, okay, that says, I'm not going to be there this morning. They're like, whoa, I jump out of bed, and I was like, what's wrong with you? I was like, uh, I, I rose, I rose out of the bed, just like Jesus did from the grave. And I said, I'm teaching this morning, so uh, it is on, okay? So it kind of reminds me of uh, that guy who was going to uh, marry this girl, and so he goes and eats with her, or actually meets with her dad first, and uh and the dad just kind of filling the thing out, and he says, uh, listen, do you have, like, a plan for the future with my daughter? Do you have, like, a house or anything? And he said, well, I don't really have a house, Mr. So-and-so, but I figure the Lord will provide. And he says, what, like, like a car? You got, like, a car? And, you know, I didn't see you the car or anything. And he said, the Lord's going to provide. I just really trust the Lord will provide. He says, well, like, a money? You got, you got a job or anything, you know? And he says, I just figure the Lord will provide. And so the guy goes back and talks to his wife. She says, honey, what would you think about him? You know, was he, was he great? And he goes, well, it's kind of good news and bad news there. He said, um, the bad news is he doesn't have any money, doesn't have a job, doesn't have a car or a house for our daughter. You know, it's not good. But uh, she said, well, what in the world could be the good news? And with the good news, he, he thinks I'm God, you know, because the Lord will provide, right? I'm trusting this morning that the Lord will provide, like he already has this morning, some words of encouragement for your heart. It kind of also <laughs> reminded me about the guy who went to the doctor, right? He goes to the doctor. He says, I got some bad news and good news. He said, well, what's the good news? He said, well, the good news is uh, you've got 24 hours to live. He's like, good. How is that good? What can be the bad news? He said, well, I've been trying to call you since yesterday. So um, that's, that's not good, but... Anyway, I trust that God will do his thing like he does each and every week here because I'm looking forward to what I'm going to say because this will be the first time I've heard it as well, okay? So let's jump right in. Uh, Today is Easter Sunday, and as we uh, took communion, that song forever just kind of captures everything that Easter is about. And uh, I was just thinking as we were taking communion there together, if you were going to die and you knew you were going to die soon, like what would it be that you would want your friends, the people that are closest to you to know. 
I mean, if you could only tell them like one or two things, what would it be? And the truth is, Jesus was in that predicament. He knew the end was coming soon. And uh, you've read the story before, but um, he decides to teach his disciples two object lessons where he takes out a cup, okay, and filled with wine, and uh, he shares the cup around the table there, and he says, listen, I'm not going to be around much longer, but I want you to know how much I love you. So when we take communion like we just did, it's an object of Jesus spilling his blood, dying for us, to show us how much he really, really loves us. And then the second object lesson he taught was he took out a towel and he began to wash the feet, the dirty feet of his disciples. And he said, the other thing I want you to know before I go is I want you to serve each other. And so the two things Jesus told, uh, taught us before he left was I want you to know I'm crazy about you. I love you. I'm willing to die for you. Another thing is I want you to serve each other. And I, I can't ever take communion without thinking about those two things, just knowing how crazy that God is about us. But today's the day. Uh, Christmas and Easter, we call those people Christers. Some people come to church twice a year, and this is one of those days that we celebrate an event that changed everything. And guys, it changes everything, what today represents. There have been non-Christians try to disprove this event for decades, and some have even became Christians trying to do so. You think about people like Josh McDowell, or I think Lee Strobel was another one, who set out to disprove this event that we're celebrating today, because they thought, if I can just disprove this event, this resurrection, I can tell all my Christian friends to shut up, because what they believe is trash. And they started studying. I know in Josh McDowell's case, he went overseas and studied for a year, came back to America, studied for a year. And the more he dug in to the resurrection, the more he found out, hey, this is true. This really did happen. And they converted to Christianity. But the resurrection of Jesus, that one event that happened in history, if not for that, the Bible says that our faith would be in vain, that it would be useless that it would be futile, that everything we believe is nothing apart from the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But thank God, thank God, as, as the band sang there in that song forever, thank God that on the third day, Jesus rose from the dead. That's why we're here. That's what we're celebrating. It's the, essential, it's the central event, listen, in all of human history. It's what Christianity hinges upon. You know, even people who are, are not followers of Jesus are, are not Christians. They have to deal with this historical event that happened. It's not just a thing for church people. It really happened. You know, it's the reason that you and I have hope. And, and one day we will rise again as well to live forever with Jesus. That brings me peace. That brings me hope. And I hope it does to you as well. Well, today we're beginning this uh, brand new series called Proof of Life. Stephanie talked about it briefly there a moment ago. And our theme verse is from Acts chapter 1 and verse 3. And I want to read that to you. It, it says this. The, the next uh, seven, eight weeks, however long this series goes, is based upon this one verse. Here's what it says. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time. Imagine that. And he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Now, can you imagine that? 
right? Somebody dying, coming back to life, and actually getting to see them. I mean, one of the things that makes this Easter story, the resurrection, uh, believable to me was that Jesus appeared to so many people after that he arose from the dead. I mean, he wasn't some ghost or some spirit. He, he, they actually, he actually let them touch him. He, he had skin on. He let them feel the scars as he played in the skit there. He played Thomas, Doubting Thomas. He, he said, touch, touch it where the, where the nails went in. Feel that I'm real. I'm not a ghost. This is real right in front of you guys. That's what he's telling them. He didn't appear as a ghost or spirit. had skin on. So unless this was some kind of mass hallucination over a period of time, we really have three choices when it comes to believing that a Jewish carpenter rose from the dead. That's what, uh, well, here's the three choices. We can either believe that Jesus was a liar. We can believe that he was a lunatic. Or we can believe that he is who he said he was and that he's the Lord. And that's what we believe here at Three Strands Church. We believe Jesus is who he said he was, that he is the Lord in charge of everything because he rose from the dead. Now, um, this wasn't just any Jewish carpenter. This wasn't just any guy, any person, okay? This was God with skin on, and he died for you, and he died for me to take away the sins of the entire world. And, but he didn't remain in the ground. You know, Stephanie talked about Friday. It was bad Friday. It really was. She's right. It was horrible. If you ever study how Jesus was beaten, how he was tortured. I mean, the, the, the movies that we watch, The Passion of the Christ, and all, I mean, it's nasty, but it doesn't even still do it justice. If you read through the events of what happened to Jesus on that Friday. But thank God that Sunday was coming, right? Three days later, everybody found out. You ever heard that phrase, you can't keep a good man down? Well, three days later, everybody found out that you can't keep a God man down. He rose up from the grave. And over 2,000, think about this, over 2,000 years later, we're still celebrating that event. Does that not blow you away, just that? That 2,000 years later, we're still celebrating this thing that supposedly just happened in history. It was a big deal, a big deal. So after his resurrection, Jesus spends 40 days appearing to his followers, talking about the kingdom of God, and just proving to everyone that, hey, I'm really alive. But within each encounter is also an amazing truth that teaches us how to really be alive ourselves. And how we can experience the abundant life that God has planned for each of us. God, God has an abundant life planned for you and for me. And so today we're just briefly going to talk about the joy of being known from John chapter 20 verses 11 through 18. Where Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene who was with us in the skit this morning. All right, Guest appearance. Let's just dive in. Verse 11 says this. Now Mary was standing outside the tomb crying. Just kind of picture this in your head if you can. You know, Jesus is supposed to be in this tomb here. So Mary's there and, and she's outside and, and she's crying. She's weeping, the Bible says. But she stopped and she looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. 
Now picture this. It gives me chills when I read this because the Bible says it, it was Jesus. But she did not recognize him. Guys, I want us to understand that Jesus is there when you hurt. Mary is hurting. She's crying. She's weeping, the Bible says. And Jesus is right there. I want you to know that Jesus cares when we're in pain. Jesus cares when we hurt. Jesus cares when we have lost someone. But many times we don't even recognize it because our pain is so deep, right? But he's there. Verse 15. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her this time, not the angels. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you've taken him away, would you just tell me where you put him and I'll go get him? I love this part. <laughs> he says, Mary. Mary. Jesus said, she turned to him and she cried out, Rabboni, which in Hebrew means teacher. Can you imagine being Mary there? You're torn up. You don't know what's going on. All this is happening so fast. You're so sad that you've lost a dear friend. You're crying. You look and he's not there and somebody's stolen him. Just tell me where you put him. I'll go get him. And he says, hey, hey Mary. And she recognizes for the first time, that's Jesus. And guys, please, please don't miss this. God knows each one of you. You're not here by accident this morning. God brought you here for a reason. Maybe it was just to hear that God knows you and that he loves you. He knows you by name. The Bible says he knows even how many hairs are on your head. Guys, he cares about the details of your life. He's not some big God out there in the universe, in the cosmos, who just stoops in every now and then to check on. He cares about the details of your life. He loves you. He cares when you hurt. And some of you have been looking for him at a distance, way out there somewhere. But I wanted you to know this morning that he's right up close. He's right there like she thought the gardener was. And he's whispering your name, Mary, Thomas, Peter, Kenny. He's whispering your name. And he wants you to turn around and just say, teacher, teacher. Verse 17. Jesus said, don't cling to me, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father. But go find my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. You know, it's interesting that even in our pain, Jesus is still focused on the plan. Ever thought about that when you're hurting and when you're going through pain? That even in our pain, God still is focused on what's ahead, on, on his plan. I mean, our pain does not thwart God's plan of bringing people to himself and saving people from themselves. He, he, he tells her to find his brothers and sisters and, and tell them the plan. God wants us, guys, to share the good news even in our pain. You know, I, I don't like doing weddings and I don't like doing funerals. It's not something I enjoy either one, to be honest with you. But every time I've done a funeral, it's so easy to share the gospel. 
because people are hurting and in their pain is a right time to share the good news of Jesus Christ. God wants us to share the good news even in our pain. Because listen, He is the only hope that you and I have. He's it. There's no plan B. Okay, and on one occasion, I remember Jesus turned to one of the disciples uh, after I think Jesus had left, and he said, hey, are you guys going to leave also? And you remember what one of them said back to him? I think it was Peter, maybe. They said, Lord, where would we go? I mean, you alone have the words of life. Verse 18. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. And then she gave them his message. Can I just ask you this morning? Have you seen the Lord? Now, I don't mean necessarily, you know, like Mary saw him there at the tomb. But have you seen the Lord? Have you seen the Lord maybe in a newborn baby? Have you seen the Lord in the forgiveness of a close friend who you wronged? Have you seen the Lord in a spouse who respects you unconditionally? Have you seen the Lord in a child who loves you unconditionally? Have you seen the Lord in a parent who would give up their very life for you? Don't miss him. He's everywhere. And because we have seen him at work in our own lives, we need to do as Mary and give people the message. Does that know what it says in verse 18? And she said, I've seen the Lord. And then she gave them his message. And what was that message? The message that Jesus is alive. And because of that, he wants to rescue people from their sin and bondage that so many people are stuck in so we can truly live in the freedom that God has provided for us. Guys, I know in just a small crowd this side, there's people living in bondage. Just spiritual chains. Satan beats on you every day because of your past. He wants you to know what a loser you are and what a failure you are. And, and he just speaks those words to you and, and you've began to believe them. And I want you to know that God wants to set you free from that. He's provided a way out. So I just want to give you a couple of, of truths, a couple of take-home points from today that when we leave, you know, if you're sitting around the dinner table talking about what you heard at church today, you can remember these two things, okay? And one is, is simply this, that Mary's so distraught in this passage over the death of her friend, the death of her teacher, her Lord, that she nearly missed the fact that he was standing right there beside of her. She couldn't even recognize his voice because she was so overwhelmed in her pain. You've been there, haven't you? How often are we so overwhelmed in our pain that we can't see God's presence right there beside of us or hear his voice trying to speak to us because we're so consumed with our pain? So guys, could it be, could it be that you've been standing right beside Jesus your entire life, but you've never recognized him? Could that be true? I mean, I know some of you are going through some tough stuff right now. I'm not trying to minimize your pain at all. And it's difficult to see God at work in your life right now because of all the hurt. 
Some of you have experienced the pain of divorce, the death of a parent, the diagnosis of a disease, the feeling of defeat from an addiction. But listen to me, you still have a choice. You have a choice to run to God or you have a choice to run away from God. And he's standing right there beside of you with his arms open wide, just waiting for you to run and let him give you a big hug and wrap his big arms around you and let you know that he's got this. It's going to be okay. I love that song by Mercy Me. It says, where the hurt and the healer collide. That's what he wants to do for you. He wants to take your hurt and introduce it to the healer and let the two collide. And you will feel a peace, like he says, will pass all understanding. You won't even be able to explain it. I mean, I know what you've been going through. How in the world are you getting through that? You know what your answer will be? I don't know. I don't know. I just know I feel God's presence in my life. I remember telling myself, if this ever happened, I don't think I could get through it. How are you getting? I don't know. I just know that God is with me. Isaiah 43, starting in verse 2. Listen to, to these verses. He says, when you go through deep waters, God says, I'm going to be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, God says, you're not going to drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. I know you feel like they're going to, but I promise you they're not. And listen to this in verse 4. He says, because you, you're precious to me. Can you hear God speaking that to you this morning? This is not my words, straight out of the Bible. You are precious to me, he says. He says, you are honored. And listen, he says, and I love you. I love you. In verse 5, he says this. Do not be afraid. Why not? He says, for I am with you. I know there's people in the room this morning that needed to hear that. You need to hear God speak to you that, that you're not going to be consumed. I know the water's deep, but I'm going to be with you. I, I know the rivers are going to rise, but you're not going to drown. I know you, that, that you feel like you're walking through the fire right now, but you're not going to be burned up. Those flames are not going to consume you. You're precious to me. I love you. You're my kid. You're honored. Don't be afraid. I'm with you. No, I remember as a kid a lot of times feeling afraid, but anytime I was around my dad, I felt okay. I felt secure. And I think God wants you to feel that this morning. Whatever you're going through, he's got this. You're going to be okay. You know, as you read the, through those verses in Isaiah there, I think most of us, when we read that, we wish those verses were different. We, we wish that God would keep us out of those deep waters. Sometimes we even pray things like that, don't we? God, please, don't let me go through any deep waters. God, help me to avoid the fires. But did you know that that's not the promise God gives you and I? That's not it at all. People think when you become a Christian, it's kind of a bed of roses. That's so not true. God says that's not the promise. But here is the promise. The promise isn't that life will be pain-free. But the promise of God is that he says, I will never, ever leave you. I will be with you through your pain. I'll be with you 
through that fire, through that difficulty you're going through. I want you to know I got this. You're not alone. And guys, the truth is, that's all we really need is God's presence. That's what we need. We don't need God to rescue us, deliver us from all the pains and trials of life. We just need to know and be comforted that he is with us every step of the way. And that's what God wants you to hear this morning, that you're going to be okay. Talk to people who have been there in the situation that you're going through now. People who follow Jesus, talk to them and say, just tell me, how'd you get through it? Look at them. You'll be so encouraged because they can say, I remember when I was where you're at. And let me tell you how God brought me through it. And you will have an injection of hope going, God, I'm hurting, but I know that you're going to help me to get through it as well. So that's the first thing. The second application from today that I hope you'll apply to your life is this. You know, it isn't until Jesus actually says her name, Mary's name, that she recognizes who it is. How easy is it to lose our identity and become only our pain or our circumstances? It's pretty easy, isn't it? When we're going through tough times, how easy is it for us to lose who we truly are and become our pain or become our circumstance? Guys, listen to me. The enemy would love for you to think that you are your sin, that you are your sickness, that you are your circumstance. But please let me encourage you this morning. Don't let your addictions tell you who you are. Don't let your sin tell you who you are. Don't let your disease define you. Don't let your circumstances tell you who you are because that's what Satan wants you to believe. He wants to discourage you, but you need to realize it's a lie. It's not the truth. And you will remain defeated in your spirit until you begin believing the truth. You know, for years I think about uh, my life in the past decade that I allow people to label me um, as the divorce preacher. You know, that's, that's what I was for years. I felt it. You know, people would look at me different. I can't believe you did this and that. And, and I felt like I had to explain myself into why all that went down. And, and, and God just said, Kenny, your identity is not that. Your identity is you're a child of mine and, and I'm going to take care of that. It's okay. Some of you have allowed people to label you as a cheater or as a druggie or as a sorry, no-count piece of trash. I heard somebody called somebody else the other day. The truth is, you are who God says you are. You're not who that person says you are. You know, there's a quote by my favorite doctor, Dr. Seuss, that says this. He says, today you are you. That is truer than true. There's no one alive who is youer than you. But it's so easy to get distracted by life, by our struggles and our circumstances that we forget who we really are. I just taught this um, sermon series last year about fastening your seatbelt. But in that, I used a, a scene from the, the movie Lion King. Those of you who are my age will remember that Disney movie. And, and Simba had kind of forgotten who he was. And, and uh, that monkey has to hit him in the head, kind of knock some sense into him. But he looks into the reflection and he sees his dad, Mufasa. And, and they tell him, remember who you are. Guys, don't forget who you are. You're not what that person said you were back in elementary school. You are a child 
of the king. And, and can I just ask you, I teach my high school students this frequently, but I ask them this question. I want to ask it to you this morning. Who has the right to label things or to name things? And we're, we're a small church, so you can answer out loud if you like. Think about that. Who has the right to label things or to name things? Who would that be? What do you think? Somebody just yell it out. Huh? The owner. Anybody else got something different? The owner? The who? Parent. Okay. Anybody else think of something different? Creator. Good. Is that it? I ask them that all the time because so many students of mine walk around with labels that somebody gave them back in elementary school or middle school. And, you know, I was just thinking about this in the hour I had to prepare this morning. And I was thinking, there's going to be people there this morning who, who feel labeled. But who has the right to do that? Think about it. What if I walked into your house today with a roll of duct tape and a Sharpie? Because that's what we've been in our house. We've been labeling boxes. Okay, we're moving. And so what if I went into your house and I started labeling things? I walked into your, your, your house and I labeled kitchen. Wrote it up. Okay. Go over here, shower. Okay. Go over here, label closet, toilet. Okay. Whatever. Dog. Put a label on your dog. I just start labeling everything in your house. Eventually, you're going to get upset, right? You're going to get upset with me, and you're probably going to kick me out. Why? Because I don't have the authority to do that. I mean, I don't have the right to go around your house labeling your stuff. Just, that's not my role. It's not my position. And so who does have that right? Who does have the authority to label things? Listen, there are only three people, okay? Three people that have a right to label things. The manufacturer the maker, the purchaser, the buyer, and the owner. And that's it. But what do we do? We let people who are not our owner, we let people who are not our maker, and we let people who are not our buyer label us every day, and sometimes it sticks. I mean, the truth is, some of you have been carrying around labels for decades that some kid gave you in middle school. Why do we do that? Why do we give them that much power and let them do that? They have no right to do so, and we have no right to let them do so. Because listen, Jesus is the only one who has the right to name you. He's the only one. So I want to encourage you today to only get your label from the only one who has the right to do so. God is our maker. God is your purchaser. God is your owner. God made you. He knitted you together in your mama's womb, the Bible says. I translate the word mother from mama, but you get it, right? God bought you at a very high price. It cost him his son, Jesus. And because of that, we're now his. And God owns us, does he not? We're his kids. He's our dad. He's the only one that has a right to label you. So throw off all those labels you've been carrying around your whole life and read the truth about what God says about you. So in closing, uh, Stephanie mentioned this earlier, but when you walked in this morning... There were stones uh, sitting there in your seat or somebody handed one to you. 
And each of those stones has a name on them. And guys, those names have names written on them that Jesus would give us. It's not what that seventh grade punk called you in middle school that you felt like that way the rest of your life. And maybe you're here this morning and you have lost your identity and you have been labeled incorrectly your entire life by someone that just didn't have the right to do so. I want you to know today, I want to encourage you that Jesus is calling you by the name that's on that rock he led you today. That's who you really are. So here in a moment as the song plays, I hope you just look at that and you'll see the truth of who you really are and what God really thinks about you, how he really feels about you. And then the last thing is like Mary, could it be, just could it be, that you have been standing right beside Jesus your whole life, but you haven't recognized him? I want you to know this morning that he's calling you by your real name. Would you finally hear him? What a perfect day to finally hear what God has been telling you all these years. There's no better Sunday than Easter to do that. Okay?